Hello and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews, that would be me, Zara McDonald, that would be you. We are slightly hungover today. Hello. <laughs> We're fine. <laughs> We're fine. We are pushing through. Coming up on today's show, the influencer sex tape that has made us see coconut oil in an entirely new light. Plus, Johnny Depp's lead-laden love life is outed as part of his court case against Amber Heard. Taylor Swift outdoes herself by releasing her second album in 2020. And last but not least, the red table talk that sparked a huge discussion about star power and privilege. But first, my hungover Zara McDonald, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. <laughs> I did say to you, I made you re-record the intro because it was too loud for me. <laughs> it was like too much in my ears and I was like, I'm actually not going to be able to match this energy. So you need to meet me on my level so it's actually not that obvious. I'll come down a bit, you come up a bit. How's that? I'm pulling myself well up. <laughs> I'm at capacity right now. No, I have to say, I would say what a lot of people say when you get to our age, which is what, 26, and you're just like, oh, I just can't do it anymore. No. My body can't do it. My brain can't do it. But the truth of the matter is I could never do it. Like <laughs> I, I could never, ever do it. So this will be a rollicking time for all. I haven't recorded like this in a long time. But otherwise... <laughs> The week was great. It's lovely having some Christmas events. Yes. It's lovely seeing people in Melbourne get out and about. I do have a recommendation this week. It is an episode of the Cuts podcast. Of course. I do have to be honest and I'd love to hear from our listeners about how they're feeling about the Cut podcast because I'm a huge fan of that podcast generally, but I've just been dipping in and out. Like I haven't dived right in. Yeah. But their latest episode, it's called, you bloody bet I don't have the name (laughs) of. This is how it's going to go today. It's called something about moving out of home. Hold on one second, if you don't mind. (laughs) A live Google. Would you move back home, could you, is the name. Great. It is only 21 minutes long, so it's super short and snappy, and it's actually hosted by The Cut's former editor-in-chief, now editor-at-large, Stella Bugby. Mm -hmm. And it's about people moving back home in the pandemic. And it doesn't initially sound like the world's most interesting podcast topic. But what I found really curious about it was first and foremost, Stella Bugby, whose career I followed for a very long time, was talking about on the podcast how for 16 years she's lived with her parents, Mm. which I didn't know. So she's got two teenage children. And when she felt pregnant, she moved back in with her parents, expecting to only live there for a few months. And her and her husband never moved back out. That seems so massive to me. It's huge, right? But the conversation was one I actually don't think I've heard properly had on a public level, which is this idea of why is there so much fixation on us being so independent that we have to move far away from the people that we love and the people we grew up around? Mm. I think there is this sense that you've only made it so long as you are out on your own and kind of living independently. But for a lot of people, it's actually detrimental. And there were some really interesting conversations, particularly people who came over here as immigrants or whose parents came over here as immigrants, who then kind of moved out at the age of 18 because they felt like that's what they should do. And there's a point that they make, which is really important, being like, my parents came here with nothing and it took them years to kind of create wealth and hold wealth within the family. And what I'm doing now is I'm moving out and sort of starting everything again. For a lot of people, staying together and living with family makes a lot of sense. And I just hadn't heard a discussion like this, so I couldn't recommend it more. It's only 20 minutes. It's snappy and it's smart. And I wish more content was like that, just like really short, snappy and smart. I can't promise we're either of those things. (laughs) Snappy or smart. As she spends three minutes describing a 21 I know. <laughs> Should have turned it on the minute I, I mentioned it so you didn't get my fucking waffly synopsis. It does sound interesting though. I do think we demonise the moving back in with your parents experience, right? Like everyone's like, I could never live well, with my mum again or I like, could never li- move back home, but you can. Well, they talk about it as like the loser narrative. Yeah. That people are considered losers for moving back home. And I know people who've moved back home and it's been incredible for their maturity, for their mental health. Mm. I think there is this sense that like you must become more immature when you live with your parents. But Stella Bugby makes the point that she has become so much more mature and a much better person by living with hers. Wow, there you go. How was your week? My week was good. I had an interesting experience on Friday night. You were there for it. I oh, you're not going to tell this story, <laughs> are you? I need to tell the listeners. I feel like it's a, an interesting story that I still haven't fully analysed or decompressed from. Like I'm carrying a lot of stress from this story. quite a lot. And I need people to hear it's it. It's a bit gross though. It is gross. And we're not like toilet humour kind of people either. 
I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable. We hate toilet humour and this is the definition of toilet humour. So I'm going to set the scene for the listeners. We were out at our Christmas party on Friday night. I went into the bathroom by myself. There was one other woman in the bathroom stall next to me. When I went out and was like washing my hands, this woman came out and instantly started explaining to me why she was just in her underwear. So she wasn't wearing pants. She wasn't wearing pants, but I didn't notice. I was just powdering my face, minding my own business. I could have turned around and walked out and not realised anything was awry at all. Anyway, she's profusely apologising for being in her underwear and then holds her jeans up to me and goes, oh, sorry, I've just got to wash these. There's poo on them. (laughs) (laughs) And shows me. Wait, did you see it? I saw it. Shows me and then proceeds to push her jeans under the, like in the sink. This makes me feel a bit sick. And starts washing them. And I'm standing there being like, uh, uh, and I'm like, I couldn't even say anything. She just kept talking, being like, sorry, sorry, I've just got to wash them. I've just got to wash them. And I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I don't even know what to tell you. I was completely silent until I left to leave the bathroom and all I could muster was, good luck with the pants. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like. That is just not a story that needs any explanation. Like, I feel like when you see a girl in the bathroom washing her pants with her pants off, you're not immediately thinking that that's the scenario. No. So it's not the thing that she needs to justify. She could have said fucking anything and you would have believed it. She could have said someone spilled a drink on me. She could have said, I have my period. Like, that is the most relatable circumstance ever. I think we all relate to that. But to show me... Her poo on her jeans. I came out and I was like a stunned mullet. I stood in front of our table and I was like, I, I don't even know what to say about the experience <laughs> I just had. My eyes were watering. I was like, I need to get this out because you're not going to believe me. I still kind of don't. <laughs> Why I would st- I make that up? Why would anyone make that up? Because we're fucking light on stories today <laughs> because I'm tired and feeling sorry for myself. Anyway. Do I do you have, have a recommendation. That's what I was going to ask. I have a recommendation and I promise this isn't sponsored. None of our recommendations are ever sponsored but I am the kind of person who sucks at life admin we know this very well I don't get anything sorted ever including when I order a print so if I order a print online that print's never going to get framed because I just never allocate the time and the energy to go get it framed pretty easy to get stuff framed you just buy frames off Ikea and throw it in really well like I do and do you remember the time you got a hair (laughs) stuck in one of them (laughs) I was doing all this framing and I'm a bit of like a sorry I've really interrupted and taking control of this (laughs) I when I moved into my apartment I was like doing all the framing and I'm the world's most terrible framer like people hate coming to my house because I don't level anything I just throw it on the wall what do you mean people hate coming to your house what as if like we are inflicted by this <laughs> people are terrible alert. framing people are alert <laughs> people are allergic to the angles um, anyway but one time I'd spent like half an hour framing something and I realized one of my full hairs was stuck inside the print anyway you were gonna is say it's still in there it's that one over there isn't it yeah don't look closely maybe I'll put a photo of it on our Instagram page anyway the reason I love buying prints from society six society and then numerical six guys.com.au I think or just do a google search is they pre-frame them for you so I ordered them being like surely not like surely this isn't the price for the print plus the frame I ordered nine I got nine for like $300 during a Black Friday sale so my entire apartment's gonna have glorious art all over the place they're all pre-framed they all look immaculate and incredible and I truly do not understand how this business makes any money because it seems like a joke but it's based in Brunswick apparently okay I've shopped at Society6 for a long time and I've never got them framed I literally just buy the posters so be careful with this recommendation you idiot you can get the pre-framed ones how much more is it? Maybe Not it was- much more at all. See, this is your second story today. <laughs> You're just sprouting a whole lot of bullshit on this podcast. Not sponsored, I promise. I'm sure there are other companies out there as well that do the framing for you. But what a service. Yes, please frame my prints. God knows I'm not going to do it myself. Yeah, I also, are you going to hang them? That's yes. probably an air tasker job. I probably should have done that on air tasker too. <laughs> Anyway, we are going straight to the hotline today, Michelle. I've got two of my favourite hotline messages from this week. I have to say, everybody is pulling through every single week. (laughs) Thank you so much for all your hard work. I'm sorry to those who missed out. My first hotline message today, Michelle, is from Mia. Hey, Michelle Zara. I'm Mia. I just wanted to jump on here and share my story of sleeping with a celebrity. So it was about this time last year. I was on a night out in Bondi and I met... One of the weirdest things about him was when we got back to his place, he wouldn't let me have just a glass of tap water because he's afraid of what chemicals are put in tap water that we're not told about. (laughs) 
Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, but if you're worried about the chemicals in tap water, you're absolutely also an anti-vaxxer. Well, this is a high-profile reality star, male reality star. Can we say from the Bachelor franchise? There are a lot of okay, men fine. involved in the Bachelor a male franchise. From the Bachelor franchise, <laughs> pretty high-profile one too. So, and he's an anti-vaxxer well, who doesn't like tap water. Well, we we don't know he's an anti-vaxxer, but the chemical thing in tap water is probably you know a step. In that direction. I was trying to think of a metaphor, like halfway across the bridge or something. <laughs> I think it's beyond the bridge. I think, Do you think it's anti-vaxxing the- comes first and then worrying about tap water would be like no, a more extreme version no, of that. You start with the conspiracies about what's in tap water because you're in the like depths of the internet. And then once you're in the depths of those internet, more serious things come up, more serious conspiracies. And let me tell you as well, every time we talk about this type of stuff, people DM me and they try and argue about what is actually in tap water. Don't DM me. I don't care. I don't believe you. I vehemently love tap water. You're not going to convince me otherwise. I also love tap water. It's often not cold enough coming out of my own tap. <laughs> it needs some ice, but I like tap water generally too. Michelle, my second voicemail for you today is from Shanae and you aren't going to love this one. Hey girls, I just wanted to share my celebrity run-in with you because it was with the beloved My friend and I come from a small country town, so when was visiting our town for a friend's wedding, we were pretty starstruck. One night he was at a dinner with a few of his friends at a restaurant that we were also at. So myself and my friend, who were about seven at the time, went up to him and asked him for a photo. Apparently he wasn't too happy about that because after we walked away, he proceeded to yell at us and throw metal forks at us, being two young girls. My parents were absolutely horrified, but yeah, to this day we still laugh about it. (laughs) (laughs) What? What the fuck? Who throws forks at a kid? I mean, we know who throws forks at a kid. Another male involved in reality television. Another male involved in reality television, yes. We're not going to tell you what role. A bit more high. I would say fork thrower is much more high profile than alkaline hater. (laughs) Super high profile. They're both actually very high profile, but this guy is like. Do you think that this actually happened? Sinead, I believe you. I'm just in a bit of like a cantankerous (laughs) mood, if I must be honest. (laughs) Do you think he actually threw forks or dropped them? I mean, I think this might be a classic like story that happened to you as a kid where there have been little embellishments added along the years to spice the story up and make it fresh and interesting. Do I think this particular celebrity was throwing forks at like children's heads? No. Maybe he was being belligerent and throwing them at the floor or something near the kids. Yeah. I can't imagine him abusing children. That would have made the newspapers at the time. Potentially. I mean, it's still on our hotline and it still rivals Dog Kicker. So, I mean, (laughs) next week, I must remind you, you've got one week to go. It is our last episode for the year next week. (laughs) I will be playing two more voicemails and I think we're still going to hand out a voucher. Is that right? Yeah. Well, we did promise a $500 (laughs) voucher, so we can't exactly renege on that offer now. I've got to say, what I think I'll do is I'll pick one from every week. So, we're going to bring through Dog Kicker. We're going to bring through, I want a fucking gondola ride. True. I think my favourite from these two two would have to be the fork thrower. I think that's the most dramatic out of this in Tap Water Man. We do like violence. We do like celebrity <laughs> violence. Not animal cruelty, let us put that. Just, and not child abuse. I know. Oh my God, <laughs> just let me crack a joke. Just let us live, let guys. Let live. I'm going to choose that one. So this one goes through the next round. Then next week we'll hear those two hotlines. I'll pick another. And then at the end, the listeners can choose out of the four shortlisted celeb stories who wins the $500 oh, prize. Oh, that seems fair. Then it's not biased at all. The power of the people. The power of the people. Mish, one quick note before we jump into our first segment. I have spent many hours of this week going through hotline messages (laughs) and I would just like to put something on the record. There is one celebrity who the voicemails in itself aren't particularly remarkable. It's just that his name keeps coming up. What? He's come up four times. He's an Australian musician and everyone keeps talking about how he hits on them in bars, like in a very consensual way. But a couple of them are saying that he's had a girlfriend the whole time. <gasps> yeah. So a, a celeb just, musician from Australia who cheats on his girlfriend religiously. Well, I don't know if he's still with his girlfriend or not. It's all a bit confusing. But he's just come up more than anyone else. So, And it surprised me a bit. Interesting. Yes. Say his name and we'll bleep it out. 
<laughs> that is a curveball. I wouldn't have picked that. You're welcome. Is this become the most annoying or great segment of all time? I don't know. <laughs> the best. The best because I get to hear it all. Let's jump into the first segment in today's show. Zara, we need to talk about why coconut oil sales are skyrocketing. I don't know if I'm in the world's best or world's world's <laughs> We are talking about coconut oil because, ladies and gentlemen, if you have seen both coconut oil and the name Jay Alvarez trending this week, it's because Jay Alvarez may well be the star of, what do we say, a sexy tape that has been released to the masses and coconut oil is the star and it is just a lot. I mean, Jay Alvarez and coconut oil are the star of their own new porno. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly how I would say it. So first and foremost, if you don't know who Jay Alvarez is, he is a 25-year-old influencer, Mish. He is kind of like king of the hot surfy guys. Yes, he is absolutely king of the hot surfy guys. Also, may I posit the hot surfy douchey guys. We've had one interaction, you and I, with Jay Alvarez, and it was not a good interaction at all. Some of the listeners might remember, but last year he commented on one of our photos, and I am not a fan. Let me put that out. Okay, let's go back a bit. Didn't we go hard at something he had said kind of inappropriate, Mm -hmm. and then he came back and sort of made a joke about it? He posted a video of his friend sexually harassing and then groping a girl who wasn't keen on it. We posted something on our Instagram account calling it out as sexual harassment. And he commented saying we couldn't take a joke. (laughs) Oh my God. Anyway, so Jay Alvarez also used to date Alexis Wren. They were Mm -hmm. like very well known together. They used to kind of travel the world uploading hot photos and hot videos. That Mm -hmm. was basically their life. I'm pretty sure it still is Jay Alvarez's life though. Now he is the star of his own porno. When it comes to this story, Mish, I think the reason that I was so interested in it this week was because no one was linking obviously the video explicitly and it took me a long time to work out what was going on. Oh, absolutely. The first time I realised something was up is someone that I follow on Instagram, I think it was Jess King, posted a photo of her face with like a shocked face saying something like, when you see that Jay Alvarez video. (laughs) And you know when people don't explain, you're like, okay, well, what the fuck's a Jay Alvarez video and how do I find it? And you just find yourself in these internet rabbit holes desperately trying to make your way through the code because it is all a big code Mm -hmm. to work work out what the fuck's going on. Yeah. So you messaged me and were like, have you seen the Jay Alvarez video? And I was like, no, what? And then I opened my TikTok and my entire TikTok feed was women talking about coconut oil, watching the video, reacting to the video. The video was suddenly everywhere. I feel like within the space of 12 hours, it went from nobody talking about it to everyone talking about it. And that was the thing. If you wanted to watch it, you had to commit, you had to go deep, which you and I both did. I spent about half an hour looking for this video. The video was about two minutes long in total, but i got to say it was worth the wait and the watch. It was a lot. There was a lot I going mean, on. I haven't watched a lot of sexy content in my time, <laughs> so I was pretty impressed by it. <laughs> But let me say, Mish, what I did notice was this is a well-produced bit of something. Like, this has production value. This is not just a sex tape where video has been set up on the dresser and it's just, like, one view. This is, like, must be cameramen, more than one cameraman or woman in the room. There must be lighting. There must be people. It is looks like one of his travel videos. I saw that commentary around being like, this just looks like a well-produced Jay Alvarez travel video, except you can see lots of people's parts. Oh, excellent cinematic experience. There was a lot going on. The lighting was immaculate, very moody, very sexy. I saw a lot and I saw it up close and personal. I will never be able to look at coconut oil in the same way ever again. Apparently, coconut oil is fine to use in that context, which I did not know. Well, he kind of used it all over the body (laughs) after putting it in a kettle. And the reason that coconut oil is trending is because he puts the coconut oil to the camera and then puts it in the kettle and then puts it all over her body. And she is a Russian model and influencer, I Mm -hmm. think, whose name escapes me. And I have been wondering ever since this, because searches in coconut oil have been skyrocketing, because coconut oil has been trending all over TikTok, it does make me wonder if there was some sort of sponsored element to this piece. Yeah, I I actually think there was. Do I don't can- think you can deny it. If you even look at the Google search trends for how many people have been searching coconut oil, the amount it has like increased tenfold since this video came out is just so interesting to me. They also show the brand up close in the video. Like he holds it to the camera. Like an influencer doing a beauty tutorial when she holds like the foundation to the camera so you can see the label and the branding. Yes. It's exactly like that. It also reminds me a little bit, I know this is a weird tangent, but on TikTok we saw that cranberry juice go very, very viral one or two months ago. 
it might be overthinking it, but I don't think it's impossible or implausible to think that Jay Alvarez and his team was like, okay, this kind of branding really works. What can we do to take this to the next level? How are we going to push the boundary here? And how are we going to bring it over to TikTok? I wouldn't mind betting that it was even set up for some people to be talking about coconut oil, referencing coconut oil, holding up the same brand in TikTok videos, because all of a sudden this coconut oil was everywhere. This did massive things for Jay Alvarez's brand as well. When we say he's an influencer, he is. But I also think that term might minimize the scope of his power and influence. Like when we talk about influencers, we're thinking, okay, a couple of hundred thousand followers. This is a man with 6.5 million Instagram followers. He is massive, but he's been plateauing. In the four days before this video went viral online, Jay Alvarez had gained a total of 3,600 followers across the week, which, yeah, sounds like a lot, but when you've got an audience of 6.5 million, it's not actually. He was losing followers two of those days and gaining them on other days. So he was really plateauing and not growing that much. In the four days after the video went viral, he was gaining more than 20,000 followers Mm. a day. He has gained almost 100,000 followers in the three or four days since this video went out. This has been incredible for his personal profile, which I find interesting because we see a man launch a sex tape and he goes bananas. I wonder if it would be the same if a woman launched a sex tape. Absolutely fucking not. And it would be absolutely remiss of us to have this conversation without making that point that it's so different when a man like Jay Alvarez, a white, hot, sexy surfer man, clearly or probably leaks his own sex tape Mm. in comparison to what happens when a woman does it. Like we've still never stopped talking about Kim Kardashian and she's still not stopped really being the butt of our jokes when that comes up. Yeah, and to clarify, I think a woman would still gain a lot of Instagram followers. I think the audience growth would be identical or if not more for a woman, a woman influencer who launched a sex tape. I think I'm more talking about the dialogue around that sex tape. With Jay Alvarez, we're all talking about how sexy and hot it is, how funny it is, how interesting it is that he's done it. If it was a woman launching a sex tape, almost if it was Alexis Wren who was in a sex tape doing this, people would be calling her a slut and people would be saying that she's desperate or she's thirsty or she's trying to grip onto relevance in the only way she knows how. I just think the discourse that we use for men and women in this scenario is incredibly different. Coming up after the break, Johnny Depp's romantic history, Taylor's new album and Olivia Jade turns to the red table for reputation redemption. But first, a word from today's sponsor. And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the pop culture and celebrity news cycle. Michelle, what have you got for me? My first story, Johnny Depp was allegedly romantic with Angelina Jolie, Marion Cotillard and Kira Knightley. That is from Vulture. What a story. So many layers going on here. Mm. A bit of background. So Johnny Depp is pursuing a defamation case in the US after his ex Amber Heard wrote a piece about a domestically violent relationship that she had been in for the Washington Post. She never named Depp, but he's still pursuing a case. I think he's pursuing more than $50 million, so pretty insane. If this sounds familiar, it should be. He just lost a defamation case in the UK after the son labelled him a wife beater and a court found in favour of the son. So he is now pursuing a second defamation case off the back of a loss, which is so interesting to me, Mish, given how ugly that former case was. I think this will be familiar for people because so much dirty laundry was aired in that last case. There were headlines galore about Amber Heard and Johnny Depp's life, about the alleged violence. It wasn't pretty. So it's pretty interesting to me that he wants to pursue another one. Yeah, it really does seem like a man who is hellbent on what he deems to be revenge and he will do whatever it takes to get it, even if in doing so he will sink his own ship. This one is really fascinating because for the US case, it has been deemed relevant that they reveal all of Johnny Depp's romantic relationships within the last decade. That wasn't the case in the UK. In the UK, one of Depp's exes, Alan Barkin, who he dated in the late 90s, they starred in Fear and Loathing together, gave testimony that said he was violent towards her. He apparently threw a bottle of wine at her during an argument. So that was one instance. But in this instance in the US, we are going to see a bevy of names come out. And those names, which have been revealed over the weekend, 
are very, very famous names. Yeah, as you said in that headline, Mitch, we've got Angelina Jolie, Marianne Cotillard, Kira Knightley. The Hollywood Reporter reported this week that the process of the US defamation case will likely be even more intrusive and, as we said, end up sucking other high-profile figures into the vortex. They have asked for all responsive communications with former romantic partners. His odds as well, the Hollywood Reporter report, are even worse than they were in The Sun because, unlike in the UK case, the burden of proof is on Depp which is just huge given how big his loss was in the UK. The second layer here, I mean, we've mentioned these names a couple of times, Kira Knightley, Angelina Jolie, Marion Cotillard. It's a bit confusing the timeline we're working to right now of when someone like Angelina Jolie was potentially involved with Johnny Depp. Yeah, this is the thing. Angelina Jolie and Depp starred in a movie together in 2010. She was married to Brad Pitt at the time. And we need to keep in mind, the court said all romantic relationships within the last decade. Mm. So if it was that Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp had an affair when they starred on that film together, she was potentially cheating on Brad Pitt. And that's a really interesting overlap that nobody reported on at the time. This is what surprises me with this story. For all the rumours we hear about celebrities, all of the tabloid rumours and the whispers and the paparazzi photos that come out, there were no reports that Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie were having an affair or that he was sleeping with Marion Cotillard or that he was ever sleeping with Kira Knightley. And it just makes the mind kind of boggle to think, What are celebrity lives actually like if all of this went under the radar and none of us knew? I know, and we should be clear. Like, yes, there is a chance that Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp got together in the last sort of couple of years when she's single. But what the inference to me is that this stuff was from a while ago, from pre-Amber Heard, which would kind of put that date in line from when she was married to Brad Pitt. I mean, one of the lines from The Hollywood Reporter really stands out to me when it comes to this story and Johnny Depp and why he is pursuing another defamation case. They wrote, it wasn't just erratic and violent behaviour that one of the world's most bankable stars. It was his unquenchable thirst for revenge. Wow. My second story, Taylor Swift surprises fans with another album evermore. That is from the Sydney Morning Herald. And our gal Taylor has been hard at work in the pandemic while we've all been like lounging around watching every episode of The Crown and every Princess Diana documentary ever made. Taylor Swift has been in her little bungalow or I don't know, country hut, making a million million different songs. It's pretty nuts to consider how productive she's been this year. Mm -hmm. Like I know she has a lot of people around her, but even still, she's done more this year than I think most people have. I saw a funny tweet just before we jumped on mic where it was like Evermore and Folklore and it was just a picture of the Olsen twins. if that makes any sense, as I try to explain a meme on my... <laughs> this is the thing, it's like, how do we make that make sense? If it doesn't make sense on that, then it just won't make sense. Do you think sense. that made sense? You've seen the meme, so it's hard for you to know whether that made sense or not. It makes sense, but when I try to explain it, I'm not sure if I can. Yeah, well, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Swift, though, did say on Instagram when she announced this release, to put it poetically, it feels like we were standing on the edge of Folklorian woods and we had a choice to turn and go back or to travel further into the forest of this music. We chose to wander deeper in. I mean, Folklore has been such a standout album for Taylor Swift. It is probably the most positively reviewed album she has put out in yes. her entire career, yeah. I would say. And on top of that, she She's just been named as the number one female artist on the Billboard charts in 2020. So she's already killed it this year. She's backing it up again. I mean, we've had a bit of a listen. It's hard to tell if this exceeds folklore, if it matches it, if it just comes runner up. But I just love everything Taylor Swift puts out and I'm here for it. Well, it always takes me a few listens of an album to work out how much I love it. Like I'm not very good at first impression listens, to be totally honest with you. First impressions of any music I'm really, Mm. really terrible at. It needs to be catchy after a few weeks. I do find it interesting, given what you just said, that folklore has been one of, if not the most popular album she's produced ever, that she wouldn't just sort of sit with that and sort Mm. of not feel the need to release this because the chances are most people are going to say nothing could top folklore. So Mm. she must just be really confident in what she's putting out or must have just really enjoyed the process because it would be very easy to turn around and be like, we've had a really successful year. Like folklore was nominated for a bunch of Grammys. We don't need to back it up with anything. No one's asking us to. Dare I say though, and I hate to get all woo-woo, I think she has completely shaken off the idea of what success is in a conventional way. I don't think she actually cares about stadium tours or awards. Like she might, but nowhere near as much as she used to. Her recent album in Folklore, in the fact that she didn't really do any publicity for it, she just released it into the world and let the music speak for itself, told me anyway 
that she's just going to make music now that she likes, that she's not under a big record label. She doesn't need to do the whole rigmarole of press and planning for a year before an album comes out and all of the photo shoots and music videos and all that kind of stuff. I truly think now that she's running her own show, she will follow her gut and if she thinks the music is good, she'll put it out into the world. Yeah, and that is often rewarded. I think there is some element of truth to what you say, but that said, Taylor Swift's public relevancy is often going to be dependent on conventional measures of success. Mm. So being in the Grammys, having really successful music videos, she'll be probably walking a line a bit more and probably not being as reactive to it. But I do agree with what you say to a point. One One quick rumour that is going around, of course, I don't think Taylor Swift could release an album without everybody wondering if she's married to Joel (laughs) Alwyn. But she did change one of the lyrics in Love Story, didn't she? Yeah. So this is the funny thing, right? At the same time as releasing Evermore, she's also been re-recording her existing tracks that exist under Big Machine Records, right? So she had a huge falling out with them. We don't really need to retrace that. We've done it in so many episodes. But she's re-recording her old songs so that she can make royalties off her own music. One of the songs she has re-recorded is Love Story, probably the single that launched her entire career. She did change one lyric in that song, though. Instead of saying, baby, just say yes, she changed it to baby, just said yes. And I don't understand why you do that unless you were trying to plant an Easter egg for your community to kind of pick apart. Yeah, she's like the magician of planting Easter eggs just before albums come out to get us talking about her because she's changed that lyric and we found out about that just a couple of days before Evermore. Then the first photo that she uploads of Evermore or one of the first photos is of her in this like beautiful, whitey, beigey, lacy Zimmerman dress. Mm. Shout out to Australian label Zimmerman because it's mm. a good get because it's the photo that's everywhere about this. And people are then saying, is this a photo from her wedding? Yeah. Like this is the way that she's going to be able to generate press and like props to her. Well, probably never find out but we'll care <laughs> a lot regardless. Taylor Swift will be 70 years old when she comes out and goes yes we're married and yes we have like 10 children. Yeah, 10 children in that little shack <laughs> I've been making music in in 2020. My third story please stop whatever you're doing and listen to how Nigella Lawson pronounces microwave that is from pedestrian tv and let's do exactly that let's listen to how Nigella Lawson pronounces microwave. But I still need a bit of milk full fat which I've warmed in the microwave. Nigella Lawson, welcome back to the quick and dirty for something equally, (laughs) actually, if not more ridiculous. Fucking props to Nigella for making headlines in the most ridiculous way this month. It must be completely, completely deliberate. She is planting these stories and doing these things on her TV shows so that we all talk about them. She's not actually double buttering her toast and thinking it's some genius solution. She's not actually going around and legitimately calling microwaves microwave. (laughs) It's just funny. I think she's just probably having a bit of a laugh. And I kind of love it. She wrote on Twitter, well, I do say it like that, but not because I think that's how it's actually pronounced. (laughs) She went on to say, I don't know, a camp joke that just becomes habit. To be honest, I am the queen of camp jokes that just become habit. Mm. I often mispronounce something deliberately, i.e. segui, thanks to all the people that DM'd me (laughs) this week and wondered if I was meaning segue. Yes, I know that that's how you pronounce segue. I just pronounce it (laughs) in a literal way that it is spelt. But I'm, I love doing that. Like, I love taking words and just running with them. And this is clearly what she's done. Yeah, well, clearly microwaves are pretty bogan. She's chosen to give it a bit of an eccentric spin. It's kind of like people saying Target was, instead of Target. Yeah, it is such a Target thing. I did love slash hate a think piece in Vogue this week. You know when you're writing in digital media and you kind of have to overthink a story because it's a dry news day? Unfortunately, I think that happened in the Vogue office in Britain this week. What happened? An entire think piece was put out about why why it's so frustrating that people didn't understand Nigella Lawson and why they took her pronunciation too literally. I'm going to read you a passage from this article. Keep in mind, it's not sarcastic. This is fully 100% legit. Go. I think the silly affected pronunciation stems from our archaic British stuffiness, a hangover from being world leaders in trifling, pompous, self-important ceremony, much like every episode of The Crown. These customs are ridiculous, but it's a heritage we haven't quite outgrown. We can easily send it up in a sort of vaudeville act as unsmiling Victorians whose sense of self pivots on precise etiquette. The deliberate mispronunciation is a sort of inversion of centuries of privilege and the naughtiness of a convenient microwave. I actually have no idea what you just said. What the f- like what? You are way overthinking this. A microwave's naughty. (laughs) I I actually don't own a microwave. You don't own a microwave. We moved in and we were like oh we've got a microwave, we've got a microwave and then you just kind of live without the microwave (gasps) and I don't have a microwave. (laughs) How do you heat things up? The oven. Oven. 
on the what's that gas top thing? <laughs> stove top. <laughs> the stove top. Yeah. No micro aves in this house, but I don't want one now that I know that they're naughty. <laughs> it's an inversion of centuries of privilege, everyone. That's exactly what micro ave is. What the fuck's going on? I mean, props to her. I saw other tweets of people being like, "Yeah, I deliberately mispronounce like sausage, like like a sexy way to rhyme it with sausage. Yeah, <laughs> to rhyme it with fromage. So it's like sausage. And like all I want to do now in this podcast is deliberately mispronounce things in a far more posh way. I'm trying to think. There's a, some how can we say shameless in a different way? Charmless. Welcome to charmless. <laughs> there's like a bunch of onions behind you. It's like onion. <laughs> it's just a French accent. <laughs> <laughs> so that whenever new listeners come on, they'll be like, what the fuck It'll, is going we'll on? We'll honestly create our own. Um, I'm just going to be addicted to this. I'm looking around my entire apartment now looking for things. What about to chair? Mis- no, nah, that's too That's too hard. Lounge. Lounge? Yeah, couch. <laughs> couch? Couché? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> my fourth story. What's this horny KFC holiday movie? That is from The Cut. Zara, you're going to take this one from me because you insisted that we had to talk about this. I know, and I kind of have regret because <laughs> I think it's just like a 15-minute ad, to be honest, <laughs> that branding is a movie. I told, When you came to me and you said, we have to talk about this in the it's podcast, just, I'm like, but it's basically giving KFC <sighs> free publicity for a 15-minute ad. That KFC produced. has free publicity every time you turn around a corner and there's a store. I'm not the one that's going to give KFC all this extra money. I probably am making people pretty hungry. But this story, very quickly, for those who missed it, <laughs> KFC released a 15-minute lifetime movie. The Cuts Amanda Arnold explained in her article, on Monday morning, Kentucky Fried Chicken announced that it has conceived of the perfect distraction from all things 2020, an original lifetime movie about a steam holiday affair between Colonel Harlan Sanders, played by Mario Lopez, and a young heiress. Look, to be honest, the only reason I care about this is I used to religiously watch E. You know that E celebrity news show? Yes. That was on at like, I don't know, I reckon it used to be on when you were sick from school. He hosted that. That's what I mean. Mario Lopez hosted that. And I'm like, <laughs> is this the rock bottom of Korea? <laughs> I was like, what is Mario Lopez doing? Fronting a KFC movie. Remember that article in the Daily Telegraph that was from Riches to Rags? <laughs> Maybe Mario belongs on that list now. It's probably going to sexy out the brand. Suddenly eating fried chicken <laughs> just becomes hot. Ronald McDonald can't compete with I know. It. My, poor, my poor family restaurant. I feel bad talking about a competitor. The best headline was on the Washington Post. And to be honest, I don't know if I'm tired, hungover, or if this is actually just fucking hilarious, that they left with Love Me Tender. <laughs> Why KFC is pushing a sexy Colonel Sanders movie. Love Me Tender. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. You know that meme where it's like, sorry, I've lost control of the day? <laughs> That's you. I shouldn't be allowed to do this job. <laughs> Thank God we don't have a HR department. My fifth story, the bizarre moment a Channel 7 reporter says, Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> Sorry, I can't now. <laughs> Sorry, get going. I can't. I'm not just a sympathetic crier, I'm a sympathetic laugher. And if you're laughing, I can't. Pull it together, okay, woman. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The bizarre moment a Channel 7 reporter says Ellen DeGeneres <laughs> has COVID-19, but there's a reason why some Aussies can't pronounce the talk show host's name. Now, sad news, stop laughing for I know, a second. I know, no, 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 cool. Ellen DeGeneres does have COVID-19 yes. and that is obviously not great. She did put an announcement on her social media. She wrote, hi everyone, I want to let you all know that I tested positive for COVID-19. Fortunately, I'm feeling fine right now. Anyone who has been in close contact with me has been notified and I am following all proper CDC guidelines. I'll see you all again after the holidays. Please stay safe and healthy. So, Mish, the reason that this is on the Daily Mail this week is because a Channel 7 reporter jumped on TV and announced that Ellen DeGeneres had COVID, but pronounced it Alan DeGeneres. Which I'm sorry, I know we've had this discussion before because I call you Zara Ellis McDonald. Yeah. Everyone says I do this. I can't hear the difference. When you just say he got on and he said Alan DeGeneres instead of Ellen DeGeneres, I hear just Ellen twice. <laughs> Let's play the audio and then decide. Proving it doesn't discriminate. Talk show host Alan DeGeneres revealing earlier this morning that she's tested positive. 
I'm saying Ellen DeGeneres. To be fair, he's saying Alan DeGeneres, but I just love how shamey Daily Mail is. The bizarre moment. <laughs> and they called it a huge gaffe. Now, what I have an issue with is the Daily Mail's headline, but there's a reason why some Aussies can't pronounce the talk show host's name. So I jump into this article assuming that there's going to be some big explanation for why Australians like you can't tell the difference between Ellen and Alan. And this is the explanation that they gave. While it may have been a slip of the tongue, it's no secret that many Australians just can't pronounce the name Ellen correctly. This is because some people from Victoria have a habit of pronouncing L as Al. The most famous example of this is saying Melbourne instead of Melbourne. I still don't hear a difference. I wonder if they're exactly the same. That didn't give me any science. They basically (laughs) literally just did that thing that we've spoken about before. Hi, I'm Michelle. My name is Michelle. It's like the reason they have an issue with it is because they can't hear the difference between L and Al. My poor speech pathologist mother who has to listen to me mispronounce these things all the time. She never raised it with me as a kid though, so maybe she does the same thing. Maybe she does. I think the only reason that I hear it is because my middle name is Ellis and my mum like drilled it into me from like the youngest of ages being like, make sure you say Ellis, not Alice. Alice. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Could you not hear that then either? No, no. This is so frustrating to me. And I know that I get DMs about this all the fucking time. People saying that I have a Melbourneian accent. Sorry, Melbourneian. Was that right? Melbourneian accent. Melbourneian accent, not Melbourneian. Come chat to us on the hotline. Can you hear it? Give us some other examples of Alan versus Alan, Melbourne versus Melbourne. We want to hear from you. Actually, don't take up space from the celebrity run in. (laughs) Hey, is that all you've got for me? That is all I've got. I don't care if the gondola is closed. I want a fucking gondola ride. This week, Olivia Jade, the daughter of Laurie Lachlan and Mossimo Giannelli, who was at the centre of the 2019 college admissions scandal, finally broke her silence on the controversy that landed both of her parents in prison. Olivia Jade, who is an influencer who lost many an endorsement deal after the scandal broke, sat down on Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith, Adrian Banfield Norris and Willow Smith. Sure, Olivia was apologetic and sure, she said she didn't want any sympathy, but a bigger, more important conversation has emerged from her appearance on the show. Should a white woman really have gone to three black women to salvage her reputation? Mish, God knows where to even start with this one. There's a lot in it, but maybe let's start with some background on the scandal that was. Yeah. Exactly right. So Olivia Jade is a 21-year-old social media influencer, as you touched upon. Laurie Lachlan, her mum, is best known for playing the character Becky in Full House. Her father, Mossimo Gianelli, is the founder of the fashion line Mossimo. So what actually happened? Laurie Lachlan and Mossimo Gianelli paid more than $500,000 for Olivia Jade to be accepted into the University of Southern California. It's a semi-prestigious university. Apparently, they wanted their daughters to go to the same university as the state that they lived in. Long story short, this is a case of parents, rich parents, cheating the system and allowing their very privileged children to take the places of more deserving, poorer children who don't have access to the kind of wealth and fame and star power it takes to rig the entire thing. Yeah, it's pretty fucked. We've spoken about it a couple of times on the podcast. It should be noted that Giannulli and Lachlan are both in prison right now as we speak. As part of their plea deal, Lachlan has paid the $150,000 fine she was ordered to hand over, while Giannulli has also squared his account with the courts paying off his $250,000 fine. Mm. What was very interesting about this is Olivia Jade hadn't said anything really publicly about what had happened in the last year and a half until she appears on Red Table Talk. And my first exposure when I woke up in the morning to the fact that she had sat down on Red Table Talk was this amazing tweet which said, I find the discussion between Gammy, which is Jada Pinkett Smith's mom, Jada and Willow about why Gammy didn't want Olivia on the show much more interesting than the interview itself Mm. and essentially what happened was Gammy came on the show and was like I fought tooth and nail that was her quote I fought tooth and nail to not get her on this show she said I just found it really ironic that she chose three black women to reach out to for her redemption story I feel like here we are white women coming to black women for support when we don't get the same from them it's bothersome to me on so many levels her being here is the epitome of white privilege to me Mm. so funny because when Jada Pinkett Smith and when Gammy were talking about this back and forth, 
I was agreeing with both of them. Like they were both just making impeccable points where Jada Pinkett Smith was saying, I want to practice compassion. I do not want to do what white women have done to me, which is exclude me or not give me a seat at the table. And I want to give her an opportunity to right her wrongs. And then Gammy was coming back and saying, well, she can do all that. Why does she need to use us to do it as black women? And it was just going back and forth. And as a white woman, I was sitting there going, I agree. I agree. I agree. Fuck. They're all making impeccable points and I can see it from both points of view. And it was very interesting to see the comment section where a lot of people felt the same way. Ultimately, I think more people sided with Gammy and thought that Olivia Jade could have done this on her own and probably should have. But they appreciated that all three of the women were so big hearted and welcoming regardless. I mean, Olivia Jade was silent when other children were embroiled in this college admission scandal. They came out and apologised. But they're not even children. Well, like, they, they are adults. They're the kids of, I, I guess, the kids of the parents who kind of rigged the system. Other kids came out and said, I'm so sorry, this wasn't right. Olivia Jade never did. In the video on Red Table Talk, she said that that was because there was a legal case going on and there were legalities around it which perhaps potentially that's an excuse but other kids managed to do it when their own legal cases were going on at the same time. Well I think it's because her parents were trying to fight it for so long and plead innocence so it's a bit Mm. hard to come out and apologize for something when your parents are refusing to accept any wrongdoing Mm. and I think it says a lot about how long it took that family to acknowledge what they did as being wrong. I mean Jada Pinkett Smith at the end of the day was said I think this is a practice in compassion which is a very graceful thing to do from these three women to have her on the show because they absolutely don't have to and I think a lot of commentary on Twitter and rightly so was around the fact that Olivia Jade got on that table and said I'm here because I feel like this is a safe space Mm. and I think a lot of people a lot of black women in particular found it ironic that this white woman was in this black space and found it safe because these women were giving her the compassion that often white women haven't afforded black women for decades centuries. Particularly ironic when we're talking about the US college system as well, which consistently disadvantages marginalised people in the US. I mean, even the university system in Australia disadvantages minorities. But when you think about the US where you have to take out private loans, it very much boils down to wealth, who you know, your connections. Black people in particular are bypassed again and again for rich, wealthy people like Olivia Jade. I read a really interesting op-ed in Marie Claire by Erem Salem, who wrote, forgiveness from women of colour is a powerful tool in the arsenal of a white woman trying to clean up her image. She gave a really interesting example saying that no matter what, yes, Olivia Jade's parents are in jail, but they're going collectively for seven months. Whereas a black woman like Tonya McDowell, who used someone else's address to enroll her son in a better school in a better district, ended up serving two years and 10 months in jail for her crime. You compare these stories and there are so many, like I know these are anecdotal, but there are so many of them about black women trying to get their kids into school and white rich parents rigging the system and there is such a chasm that separates the two I'm glad that Olivia Jade is starting to acknowledge her privilege but I wonder if she had to do it in this way yeah it feels a bit jarring doesn't it just reading these stories and knowing that she still you're absolutely right she still has access to her Instagram account she could have sat in front of her own audience and done a lot of this herself and answered a lot of these hard questions herself And I was impressed with her relative maturity for 21 years of age, but I also wondered how much she'd been media trained to the nth degree to be able to give the answers that she gave. But Gammy did say, I'm exhausted with everything we have to deal with as a community and I just don't have the energy to put into the fact that you lost your endorsements. Mm. I think another couple of examples in that great Marie Claire piece, Mish, was one about Felicity Huffman, who was also embroiled in the college admissions scandal. And she has already served her sentence. She served only 11 days. And two months later, she is set to appear in a new comedy on ABC. And just as Aram Salen wrote for Marie Claire this week, Mish, it seems like life goes on if you are wealthy and white. And that's the point that Gammy was making about Olivia Jade. Like whether she goes on Red Table Talk or not, she will be fine because her parents have the means to pay more than $400,000 US in fines. The girls are able to live in a very stable environment while their parents are in jail. And once they're all out, they'll put it all behind them and live a very happy, safe, productive life where they have a lot of freedoms that not many other people have. I don't think Red Table Talk gets enough credit. I still don't think it gets enough clout and gets spoken enough 
for the role it has played in pop culture. Red Table Talk is the program that brought us that incredible interview with Jordan Woods. They have done so many interviews that have absolutely seized the zeitgeist. They are now in their third season. They've produced more than 60 episodes. They are the only Facebook Watch program that has managed to make Facebook Watch relevant. I couldn't name a single show on Facebook Watch apart from Red Table Talk. Every episode gets millions and millions of views. They talk about substance they're not surfacey they're not dramatic for the sake of ratings and drama like our network television programs are I think they broadcast female empowerment and female discussion and nuance in a way that no other television show has managed to do 100% I think it's proven to me that television doesn't have to be surfacey just for the sake of being surfacey like for so long when we're watching talk shows in particular there's this sense that like maybe because of the medium it has to be surfacey and maybe because of the medium you're not able to have the conversations that maybe we might have with our friends sitting around a dinner table but these three women have the most incredible nuanced discussions about things they afford people the benefit of the doubt they also don't hold back in saying what they actually think which is not an easy thing to do in this day and age and I just genuinely think they are the unsung heroes of the TV world right now and particularly of pioneering hard important and very interesting conversations and at the end of the day Jada Pickett Smith was the one that made that comment saying we might get heat for this but this is the decision that I wanted to make and they all had the conversation and we're all here talking about it and I just love them all so much. I have huge respect for all of them I think I would die a little bit if I saw them in person I would fangirl so hard over Jada Pickett Smith. Jada? Jada in particular and Gammy. And Willow. And Willow. Actually, I love them all. Willow I love them all. has incredible maturity for her age. Like yes. incredible. Anyway, that's just us. Just relaxing <laughs> lyrical about those three. I just can't wait to see what other content they continuously put out because right now they are at the centre of everything. They are nailing it. And I think that is all we've got time for today. I think it is. Hey, thank you so much for loving us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening, guys. If you want more from us during the week, of course, we're on TikTok, shameless underscore podcast. We're on Instagram, shameless podcast. We have a website, shamelessthepodcast.com. Keep up to date with us. We put out stuff all the time and we're normally not hungover when we do it. Yes, we have content coming out of our ears most of the time. <laughs> you excited to lie down? I am going to have a little bit of a lie down after this. <laughs> I did have one more thing to say and that is my final call out for your celebrity run-ins. Mm-hmm. We are airing the last two next Monday for our last episode of the year before we take about three weeks off our Monday episodes. We will tell you what the plan is for over the break though then. We will still have content running. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> but yes, please send them in and someone will win $500 voucher. <laughs> <laughs> You're done. I think you need to lie down. I'm going to cut your microphone off. Hey, thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Oh, hi. It's Annabelle Lee and Louis Hansen here. We are your hosts of Everybody Has a Secret. Woo! Woo! We are here essentially just to let you know that we drop episodes every week now. Every damn Friday morning, we are in your ears. That is so exciting. What a time to be in your ear holes. So essentially, each episode, we unpack the real-life secrets of our listeners. So this is for everyone who loves, you know, just a little bit of gossip in mm-hmm. their lives, which, let's be real, Annabelle, is all of us. It's absolutely all of us. Don't lie. You all love gossip. So if you want to listen to our show, please do head to your favourite podcast app and listen now. See you there. Bye.